to Hope City Church, Melbourne, Australia. Stay tuned for another inspiring message by Pastor Andrew McGrath. John 4.23 says, and I'm reading from the Expanded Bible, but it's fine, you can read from your translation. The time is coming when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The hour is coming and now is when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. Verse 24 says, And God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. And so we said last week, to worship in truth is such a big deal to God. And this message, or these two messages, came out of a worship time we had a few weeks ago where I felt God speak to me about the way I worshipped him, the way our church worships, the way the church in general worships God. And yes, God is pleased that we worship him, but he was saying to me, Andrew, the way I view worship is so different to the way most of the church views worship. And I said to you last week, is that worship is love expressed God's way. Did you hear that? Not your way, not how you think worship should be, not how I think it should be, but worship is love expressed God's way. And remember I said that I made that fatal mistake as a young married man of presuming that if I bought my wife a, a, a present, I think it was for Christmas, that she would like it because I liked it. And so I bought her a rugby top, got it shipped down from Sydney at great expense. I was so excited about her receiving this present. It was a yellow Canterbury Parramatta top. And I gave it to her. And if looks could kill, I would have been slaughtered a thousand times. She looked at it with such disappointment. And, and I was so naive. I... I had no idea about women. I was married, but I really didn't know. And so I gave her this present, and she really didn't like it. She never wore it. It's important to know what makes our partner feel loved. If you're married today or planning on getting married, you need to learn real quick that your partner has a love language and that you need to understand the way they tick and what that love language requires. If you don't do that, you'll soon have an unhappy marriage. If you don't know your partner's love language, you don't connect with them. So we said that it's the same with God. If I call him Lord, then I'm going to understand his love language. I'll submit my culture to his kingdom because God's not going to submit his kingdom to our culture. Did you hear that? You know, a lot of the church has got frostbite when it comes to worship. They are so cold. But when we studied worship last week, we discovered that in heaven, worship is radical. And so when we pray on earth as it is in heaven, do you know what you're praying for? You're saying, God, the, the sort of worship. And so we read out of Revelation 4 and Zephaniah chapter 4. The worship that God wants. You know, when God rejoices over us, we said last week that he spins around with violent emotion. It says in, in Revelation that when, when the elders and, and, and the saints are worshipping God, there is, there is radical, violent worship, praise, rejoicing, celebration. It is off the charts. And so we have, we have been hoodwinked by a religious mindset of God that is altogether not true. Uh, we said there are a number of ways that God says in Psalms to worship him. So we talked about to worship him with a shout. 
So in many churches, you never hear anyone shout. And if they did, they'd be ushered out. But the Bible says that when we shout praises, it's a sign that the king is among us. Hello. So you say, well, I don't feel like shouting. Well, you know what? You're making the same mistake that I made when I got married by giving a gift to my wife that she didn't want. If you're going to worship God, you've got to worship God the way he wants. So he says, shout unto God with the voice of triumph. He says that we are to bow. We said last week that when I bow, an exchange takes place. So when, when in the Old Testament they bowed to idols, they took on the image of the idol. So when we bow before God, we are taking on his image. We bow before him. We humble ourselves. And as we do that, what God has becomes ours. Remember I said if you bow before God then your enemies will bow before you. Sickness, disease, anxiety and stress. you got issues in your family life that begin to bow before the Lord. And as you bow before him, everything will bow before you. Are you hearing me? See, bowing makes, it's, it's coming under his lordship. And David said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make all your enemies your footstool. See, as we bow before Jesus, we come into him. We come under his lordship and we are seated alongside God in that place of authority. And as we bow, God says, I will make your enemies your footstool. You can't make your enemies your footstool. You can't overcome sickness, disease and poverty and all the stuff that's coming against you and attacking you. You've tried before and failed. So how about bowing before the Lord in worship? You know, at home, prostrate yourself before the Lord. Lay on the ground and say, God, I submit to your Lordship. You are worthy. You're the king of my life. And God says, I can do something with that boy. I can now step in and do what he can't do. It says that we worship him with the dance How many people dance before the Lord? It's celebrating the goodness of God. And also it says that we worship Him with enthusiastic praise. We worship Him with the Tehillah praise, the enthusiastic praise. And do you remember I put a seat on the platform and I said that as we worship, it says God inhabits the praises of Israel or His people. That word inhabit means He comes and He rests. So what we said is that we build a big seat with our worship and praise, and God comes and inhabits and sits among us. Little God in your life, because little worship in your life. The more you worship with enthusiasm and shouting and singing and praising Him, the more God begins to rest on your world. If you need more of God in your world, more evidence of His work in in your life, begin to radically worship Him. So God says, I want people that would worship me in truth. Not the way they want. We must submit our culture to his culture. I don't care what your denomination, your tradition, or your ancestors, your family, your your country, your education says. God says, those who worship me must worship in spirit and in truth. The Father is longing for people that would worship him. And we've discovered as we worship, everything begins to change. Got a failed marriage, problems with your kids, problems with your health. Begin to worship the Lord with radical abandonment. There should be no dead church. There should be no boring Christian. There should be no one that comes in with no enthusiasm. Enthusiasm is to be in God. That's what the word literally means. If you are in Christ Jesus, you should be the most 
enthusiastic person in the world. It said of Jesus that God anointed him with the oil of joy more than all of his companions. You know, your vision of God needs to change. He is radically enthusiastic about life. And the more we bow down to him and worship him, the more we receive his enthusiasm. I told you about Reg and Nancy, and I'm just recapping last week, who are my heroes as I grew up in this church that was struggling and had issues, and they would dance every week, week after week after week, amongst people that were so boring and looked like they didn't want to be there. And Reg and Nancy would dance in the fast songs, the slow songs, communion, every part. They would just worship and dance. And that's what God's doing. He says, you bring your disappointment, you bring your hopelessness, and I'll bring my hope, and let's see who wins. And you know what? None of that stuff that was in the church ever impregnated their heart. In fact, their lives became a shining example, and I'm preaching about it today. So you remember I said last week, God woke me up on the 100th anniversary of Reg and said, I'm bringing back that same anointing, Andrew. Reg was the captain coach of the Saints in Kilda Football Club. He says, I'm going to coach the Saints again. I'm going to bring leaders into the Saints army. And they are going to, there's going to be a radical group of people that will worship and praise in the midst of hopelessness. When deep darkness covers the earth, Isaiah says, arise and shine for the light has come and the glory has risen on you. And you may be under a cloud today. There may be pressure from the left and the right. I say to you, let the joy of the Lord be your strength. Rise up and worship him in spirit and in truth. In John 4, 23 and 24, the Father is looking, longing for people that would worship him in spirit and truth. And if you're taking notes, the word spirit is pneuma, which is spirit. But he says, I want those who worship in spirit and in truth. When you combine those two words together, truth is aletheia, which means realm or unveiled reality. So he put the two together and he's looking for people that would worship in the spirit realm or spirit reality. This is the second part. A lot of people worship God at home and at church and they engage their head but never their spirit. And what God was saying to me, I want people to worship the way I design worship to be, radical, enthusiastic. But when they come to church, I want them to engage their spirit. I would say that the majority of Christians that come to church never uh, expect to encounter God in the service. But I'm saying the majority of Christians come to church and they sing songs and they go through a list and they sing songs about Jesus, but they never expect to see him, to encounter him, to be transformed, to see visions, to be caught up into the third heaven. And, and, and my Bible says God wants those who would worship him to worship in spirit reality. It's not a system or a form, but it's engaging with the spirit. And our, our role today as leaders is to encourage you when you come to church, when you worship at home, to look to see, to engage your spirit with heaven and let there be a transaction that takes place. Are you hearing me? 2 Timothy 3, 4, uh, 5, I think it is, says that there will be a people in the last days that will have a form or a formula, that word means, of godliness, 
but they will reject the dunamis power or the supernatural encounter. So they will stand in church, they will sing songs about Jesus, but they will reject the supernatural work of the Spirit. We have seen it in this church that people have come and they've rejected what God was doing. We, I, I've seen people who have, have in, in this very place, who have had angelic encounters and been radically healed and set free. In fact, just this week we had Sid Roth which, uh, with Adam and Adrian. They talked about some of the encounters that they'd had here at Hope City Church. Uh, Murray, who was totally healed of Parkinson's disease. Uh, but, but people will come and because our worship starts to push outside the, the formula, the system, the, 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 the structure of religion, they get threatened and they don't want it anymore. But God's saying, I'm looking for people that would worship me in spirit reality or the unveiled reality. They would look to see. They would expect to engage with heaven when they worship. There is no more time for coming to church and singing a few songs and then going home. I want to press in and encounter Jesus. God told me a long time ago, Andrew, your sermons are not good enough to change people's lives. People need to walk into this place and have an encounter with the Holy Ghost. They need to be able to see Jesus. I can do what you can't do. So I'm encouraging you, church, when you come together as the body, Jesus said, He is here. And wherever Jesus is, there is spiritual activity. He is at work. He is not dead. He is alive. And it's time the church began to see in the spirit realm. And not just the natural realm. Zephaniah 3.17 says, The Lord your God is in the midst. He is the mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. Listen to this. He will quiet you with his love. And I've read that a number of times. But you know, as I read that again, that word quiet with his love began to jump out at me. Because I was looking at how God reacts when we worship and what's taking place in heaven and in the heart of God. And that word quiet, you know what it means? It means to scratch, to engrave or imagine. It's the word used of woodworkers, engravers or metal workers, all the things that I can't do. But it's, he says that while we are worshiping, while there is rejoicing in heaven, God is scratching out an image of you. He is imagining you. He's engaging with us at a spirit-to-spirit -spirit level. Uh, again, it says in Psalm 139, 17, how precious are your thoughts towards me. So when we engage in worship, there is a whole lot of spiritual activity taking place. God's thinking thoughts. We heard today, and one of the reasons I got people up today, because I'm trying to show you that God is releasing thoughts and ideas and concepts and spiritual activity every time we engage with him. Are you hearing me? So in, in, in that place of love, God begins to imagine things about your future. He begins to etch out things he wants you to see. That leaf that Amy saw, that was God etching out in her spirit a picture of somebody's heart. God is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit reality unveiled. In uh, 2 Corinthians 3.17, in the voice translation, it says, Where the spirit of the Lord is present, there is freedom. 
And all of us with our faces unveiled, we reflect the glory of the Lord as if we were mirrors. And we are transformed into his same image. And that's what takes place in worship. The veil comes off because the veil came off through Jesus. And we begin to see his glory. We begin to understand. And what was taking place, that these people at the front, they had seen an aspect of the glory of God and they became a mirror to you. They began to reflect what God was saying. The spirit realm is so real here today. Do you know, Jesus talked about the spirit realm and the imagination all the time about the power of the spirit realm within us. Didn't he say that if you look at a woman with lust in your heart, you're as good as an adulterer? Didn't John say that if you have anger in your heart towards your brother, you're the same as a murderer? What he's saying is this supernatural spirit realm is as real as the natural realm. If you imagine it here, if you imagine a woman in your heart, it's as good as done. What's in the spirit realm is as real as what's in the natural. In fact, the spirit realm existed before the natural realm and will exist after the natural realm is gone. So this spirit realm that we're talking about is so important for us to engage in in worship. The question is, how do I engage? How do I engage in the spirit realm every day in worship as we come together as a body? Now, I want you to write this down. Physical acts of obedience done in faith release spiritual realities. Physical acts done in obedience In faith, release spiritual realities. Did you hear that? Physical acts done in obedience, release, sorry, in faith, release spiritual realities. Let me give you an example. Years ago, to get saved was quite an ordeal. Now, some of you are looking at me quite strange, but if you're old enough, and being all around long enough in church, you will know exactly what I mean. It wasn't just a simple prayer. No, 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 no. You had to tarry for your salvation. You had to cry. And sometimes they wouldn't come through. And so they'd come back the next night. You think, are you serious? Absolutely. You read the, the accounts. Read the way they, they spoke about salvation. The same was for the gift of tongues. They would tarry for hours, days, weeks for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Today, I can pray for someone, they'll be baptized in the Spirit within minutes. Today, if you want to get born again, if you want Jesus to come into your life, it's just a matter of praying a prayer of faith. We've discovered that Physical acts of obedience done in faith produce spiritual realities. What we didn't understand about tongues and, and salvation was that if you just step out in faith, in obedience, that spiritual reality will become yours. Are you hearing me? I'm going somewhere there. So if that's true about salvation, it's true about the baptism, it's true about provision, it's true about every area, it's true also about encounters in the realm of the spirit and this is what God said to me as it was difficult 
in years past, and it wasn't difficult because God made it difficult. It was difficult because of our understanding. Because we thought we had to work to get into salvation. We had to tarry to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. As it was difficult for the church to go from being not saved to saved, to not praying in tongues, to praying in tongues. As we have made that quantum shift, so it will be in the church engaging spiritual realities. We are coming into a generation that will know that by a simple act of obedience, done in faith, they will obtain spiritual realities. In the past, one, two, three saw angels had heavenly encounters and the rest of the church would applaud, be a bit jealous, sceptical. Now we are coming into a season where all the church will see in the Spirit, all will see angels as a normal everyday experience. And let me tell you, you need angels. You don't? Well, Joseph thought he needed angels. They protected the life of Jesus. They, they guided him. And, and, you know, I don't need to go on about that, but right through the Bible there is angelic help. There is, see, I have progressed so much in the last three or four years as I have come into a realization that the spirit realm is available to me. Now, that sounds funny as a pastor, doesn't it? But for years, people told me that I wasn't prophetic. I told myself, I don't see I preach, I read the word, I get revelation, but I'm not a seer. And we are coming into a season in the body of Christ where simple acts of obedience done in faith will harvest spiritual realities. I want you to say with me, I am highly, I am highly prophetic. prophetic. I see in the spirit realm, see the spirit realm. every day. Simple acts of obedience done in faith will harvest spiritual realities. You don't see because you don't look. As we look to see, as we use our imagination, and this is what I do in worship, as I project my imagination. See, meditation on God is like the projector that projects images onto my, onto my imagination. So as I worship Jesus... And tell him how much I love him. The meditation of those thoughts creates a projector that begins to shine on my imagination. And picturing with our imagination is the entryway into visions and encounters with God. As I discover this, that I can use my imagination as a primer to unlock the world of visions and dreams. If, you were able, if I was able to chart my life... In the last probably four years, I would have had, uh, I'm just making a number up, but 10, 20 times more visions, more dreams, more encounters than the previous 45 years. One of the reasons is I began to discover that I can use my imagination as a simple act of obedience in faith to release spiritual realities. 1 John 5 verse 20, to make this legal, because some of you are thinking this whole thing about imagination is crazy. I'm going to prove again that it's not. Listen to this. We know that the Son of God has come 
and has given us an understanding that we might know him who is true. That word true again is the unveiled reality. We know that God has come and given us an understanding. That word understanding is dianoia. And it should be correctly translated as an imagination. We know that God has come and given us an imagination so we would know the unveiled reality of heaven. Are you hearing me? God has come and implanted into you an imagination so you could use that to release the unveiled reality that's around you. If you come and worship and never engage your imagination, never through worship you begin to sing, and rather than singing from your mind, you begin to engage your imagination and allow God to begin to put pictures on your imagination, that unlocks spiritual reality. And most Christians come to church and sing and worship and never engage at a level of their imagination, which is a doorway into the spirit realm. That's why you don't encounter. And so many people say, it's, it's just not, it's not useful. I don't need my imagination. It's sad that people, when they come to church, they throw away all the things they use during the week, like their passion and their enthusiasm at football. They parked it on the bench when they come to church. Like their imagination that they've used all week with worry and anxiety and stress and conjuring up a, a, a disasterly future. Or, or you've been imagining your holiday or imagining getting married and you've engaged your imagination all week to paint a picture of your world and you get into worship and you throw it away. Don't tell me that your imagination is not powerful and that you don't use it because you use it every single day. You imagine, I wonder what my wife is cooking for dinner tonight. Oh, I imagine that roast. You imagine every day. But when we come into worship, God's saying, okay, I want you to worship in spirit and truth and we disengage the very vehicle that God wants to meet us in. Ephesians 1 verse 17 some of you have heard me use this passage, but I'm going to use it again. Paul says, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, would give to you a spirit of wisdom and revelation. God wants you to see in the realm. Paul's praying this. Paul's saying for every believer, I'm praying that you would get wisdom and revelation every day of your life. He says, I pray that the eyes of your understanding, or dianoia, the eyes of your imagination would be enlightened, that you would know the hope of his calling. So that, you know, that word dianoia, the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened. That word enlightened is photizo. He's saying that, that I'm praying that your imagination would come alive and then it would be enlightened. That word enlightened is a photo. So as I imagine God, as I use my imagination to think about what he's doing, he's saying that heavenly snapshots or photos take place. So all of a sudden, I'm imagining God and from nowhere will come a photo and God will see I activate my scene or my my imagination, and then a vision comes across from God. So often I'll be imagining or dreaming in God, and then all of a sudden, from nowhere, there will be like a snapshot of what God is saying or doing. And that's what you saw today. People were here, they were engaging, and all of a sudden, there came a heavenly photo that they saw, and that was spirit reality. But it starts by activating your imagination. 
And this is what Paul's saying. I'm praying that the eyes of your dianoia, imagination, would be enlightened so you would know the hope of your calling. So you will never, ever, I don't believe, truly know the scope of your calling unless you activate your imagination, unless you allow God to begin to speak to you at a spirit-to-spirit level. You can't figure it out with your head. And in worship, our imagination is activated. One of my favorite stories is Zacchaeus. And some of you heard me talk about him being blocked. He can't see Jesus because he's small in stature and the crowd's blocking him. You know what? Religion will block you from encountering God. Maybe there's some today, I don't know, but... But what I'm saying is offensive to you. You're thinking, well, where does it say that in the Bible? My friend, religious concepts will block you seeing Jesus. And if you're angry or confused or wondering whether this is true, here's my question. When was the last time you saw Jesus? When was the last time you had a spiritual encounter? And if you haven't for some time, maybe you should listen. The crowd blocked Zacchaeus from seeing Jesus. It's a religious mindset that says, when you come to church, do not expect to encounter God. It's religion. That our expectation is so low. How many of you today, don't put your hands up, actually expected that when you walked in, that something significant, you were walking into a miracle zone. You were walking into a place where God is at work. Religion, tradition, becomes a vehicle that stops us seeing Jesus. But Zacchaeus knew that if he went around them and climbed up the encounter tree, if he positioned himself, he knew that Jesus would come. And see, that's what you need to do today. You need to say, you know what, to heck with religion, to heck with my experience. I'm going to climb a tree of expectations. I'm going to give God my imagination and say, Lord, write all over it. I give it to you. It may be weary. See, imagination is like a muscle. It's active when we're young. And as we get older, there are areas that we allow the enemy to rob us of. We allow religion to rob us. And so it's like, a, you know, you've got to oil it. You've actually got to train it to think again, to be used again. And so it's like Zacchaeus. You go up the tree and say, I know that Jesus will always meet me when I give him my imagination. I am convinced that the profile of God is a blank slate to most Christians. That we have reduced our communication with God to reading the Bible and to prayer. And they're essential. But I want to say to you today, there is so, so much more. And one of the primary ways, along with prayer and reading the word, in connecting with the Holy Trinity is to engage him with our imagination that leads to spiritual unveiling of the reality of heaven. Now turn to Ephesians 4.18. I'll give you another scripture. See, when I shut down my imagination in worship, it cuts the flow of the life of God. Ephesians 4.18 says... The Gentiles, or those not in covenant relationship with God, are darkened in their imagination, or the word says in your translation, 
understanding. But it's really dianoia. They are darkened in their imagination and therefore are separated from the life of God. Do you see that? When your imagination is darkened and not given to God, it separates you from a flow of life. There is so much that God wants to bring to you, to flow to you. But when your imagination is cut off from, cut off from God, when you haven't given it to him, you are working with one hand tied behind your back. They're separated from the life of God because the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. They have lost all sensitivity. Their spiritual senses have become anemic. Their hearts are hardened. There's no place for God to move in their world. He says, and they've given themselves over to sensuality. What does that mean? Instead of activating the spiritual senses, now their natural senses are what governs their life. So when trials and tribulations come, they naturally react to what they perceive in their flesh rather than to going into the realm of the spirit and asking God to paint a picture in their imagination to lead them into heavenly encounters. Show me, God, what is taking place here. There are things in my life in the natural that look like they're really bad. But as I begin to go up into the heavenly realm, I get a fresh perspective. Don't harden your heart to the moving of the spirit. It is your lifeline. 2 Kings 4 eight tells the story of Elisha. And a woman, and this woman made provision for Elisha to come and stay at her house. She built a room for him. And I love that because you've got to make room for the prophetic in your life. Some people are happy with just a passing, traveling prophetic man or woman. But I don't know about you, but I want to make room in my life for God to speak to hear his voice, to be led by his spirit. And it's so practical. He shows me things to come, not just today, but in a year's time, two years' time. I say the Holy Spirit is our unfair advantage. He shows us things. So I want to make room for the prophetic in my life. And so she does that, and he wants to bless her in return. And he says, what do you need? Is there anything you need? She says, the only thing I need is a son. We can't have a son. So she stands in the doorway or the portal of the prophet's room and through the prophetic word of the Lord, she receives a son. And he says, in one year's time, you will have a boy. See, a word from God is able to take your barrenness and transform it to fruitfulness. You say, well, I don't need the prophetic. I don't need to see in the spirit. Well, you do if you're barren. There are some things that only the word from the Lord can shift in your world. And you come to church, and I'm not saying you, but I'm just generalizing. People come to church every week, and they don't engage their spirit, and the same problems surface week after week after week after week. The same strongholds uh, remain unchallenged week after week after week because they haven't engaged in the spirit realm. So the son went and joined the father in the harvest. And the enemy came. The son came down. And it affected the young boy's head. And he cried out, my head, my head, father, my head. And he was in severe trouble. And, and, and it's a picture of the church who are trying to engage the Lord's work in the harvest. And the enemy doesn't like it. So he comes and he attacks the mind of people, the head of people, yeah. the thinking of people. 
He reduces the prophetic supernatural church to a church that's trying to reason out how to be successful. And I want you to know today that it's not by our might or our power or our education, but it's by the Spirit of God that we make a difference in this world. The more I look at the news and the more I hear what's going on, the more I, I, in the natural I get discouraged. How can we ever make a difference in this city? And the enemy wants to come in the heat of the battle. And many of you have grown weary because you're out there fighting in a battle and the enemy's come in and he's begun to attack your mind with hopelessness and despair. So the boy's father says to the servants, bring the boy back to the mother. Mum knows what to do. So they bring the boy back to the mother. She sit, he sits in the mother's lap. And at 12 o'clock, at noonday, the boy dies. And that's what the enemy wants to do. He wants you to retreat back to mum. Mother speaks of the natural, the natural instincts. So in the midst of the battle, we are inclined to go back to what naturally feels good. Figuring out with our head. Some of you may have come today and you've got problems in your life. And in the middle of worship, instead of thinking and offering your heart to God, you're trying to figure out how you are going to make the shifts that you need to make in your world. So he retreats back to the mother's lap. Nurtured by the natural and not the spirit. That's what Samson did. He laid his head on a woman called Delilah. Her name means impoverished. Her name means feeble and oppressed. And he lost his vision and his authority. And you know what? In the midst of challenges in your life, if you lay your head down in the realm of the natural, it will sap your strength, take your vision, and take your authority. And once the boy died, the mother did what she should have done at the beginning. She took the boy and placed the boy in the room of the prophet. Because that's where the boy was conceived. That's how, you know, where you began was in an encounter. You got born again in an encounter. Heaven opened up and you saw that you needed God. It was a spiritual encounter. And God is calling you back to that same place where you were birthed, which was in a place of encounter. So she brings him back to the prophet's room. I love this because in the prophet's room, listen, everything stays alive. When I open up my spirit to God, everything about me stays alive. So the prophet lays on top of the boy, mouth to mouth, eyes to eyes, hands to hands. And there's a, it's like we go back to father's lap. We open up our imagination to him. He lays on top of us and he begins to breathe on us. He begins to speak to us. He begins to nurture us. And all of a sudden, the boy came back to life. You can be nurtured in the natural realm by your mother and you'll always die. But if you go to the prophet's room, if you come in worship and you open up your spirit to God, he will bring back to life that which has died. God wants us to rest our creative imagination in his lap and teach us how to think. Teach us how to think, how to live, how to choose. And I feel the heart of God that's grieved because so many 
believers have disengaged their spirit from God. They've been attacked by the enemy, doing the work of the Lord, and they lay down in the lap of their mother and they're dying. And what you need more than anything else is an encounter with the Holy Ghost. You need to open up your spirit and let him begin to speak into your imagination, speak into your spirit, breathe over you. Why do I talk about imagination? Because for many of us, when we close our eyes, we don't see angels and shapes and patterns and flames. And You know, some people seem to get that so easy, and I wasn't one of those. It was like, you know, I shut my eyes, but all I see is black. <laughs> and they'd call me up, what do you see, Andrew? And I'd say, nothing, black. But then I began to discover that one of the reasons... I wasn't seen is because I made a conscious decision because the enemy had plagued my imagination as a child so much and, 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 and caused so much terror and anxiety and fear and, and wrong thinking that then as, as I grew up, I saw that as the evil thing, not a, not a vehicle for good, so I shut it down. And I used my mind... And I meditated on the word and got victory over areas in my life, but never re-engaged my imagination. That's why many men struggle to see in the spirit. Because you've shut your imagination down out of, out of protection. And the problem wasn't your imagination. The problem was what you were meditating upon. The projector was putting pictures on your imagination that weren't right, so you shut the whole thing down. You ripped off the slideshow, and now you can't see. So we open up our spirit again. We open up our imagination. We meditate on the Lord. And as we do that, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable. We begin to think about Jesus. So I picture him in my mind. So even in worship, I saw him on a golden throne, and this throne... Actually, it has a life of its own. And, and so I just begin to imagine what Jesus looks like. And there's no right or wrong. I just begin to picture him in my understanding. And all of a sudden, my imagination, as it's activated, God then begins to speak. Yeah. Heavenly snapshots begin to come in. And see, that's, that's the whole thing about worship. And I see a church, I know this sounds chaotic, but I see a church that's passionate in worship engaging at a spirit level, using their imagination and then flowing with the spirit. And some weeks God will say, over here, I want you to stand here. Not because there's bad, but this is where you need to stand. I don't know why. You know, and as I stood over there today, I felt the fire of God. And then I walked over here and I felt like a liquid uh, flow all over me. And you say, well, that sounds crazy. I was just using my imagination. And then God begins to speak to me. Rather than being stuck in an analytical um, approach that's killing you, engage with God in your worship. I just feel that the church's worship, although it's beautiful, could be so much more. Imagine if all the church was passionate and all the church engage. That's what Paul says when you come. Some come with a psalm, a hymn, a spiritual song. Everyone being engaged, seen in the spirit realm. That's when the church comes alive. So if you want to know more about imagination, get the book, The Gospel According to Noah. 
But more than that, begin to work at home on surrendering your imagination. And I talk in, the, in that book about how to do that practically, how to start 101 imagination. Because God wants to encounter you as you worship him. 